What's up, my friends, and welcome into today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so excited that you are here. Speaking of being here, this is the second episode that we recorded with Father Anthony sitting right here with me in the studio. He spent the week with me. Uh, we went on retreat together. We, uh, you know, we we kind of talk about that. But this episode is a blast from the past because we recorded this before we left for the retreat. It's crazy how time works, right? Uh, but it's not just me and Father Anthony. We wanted some company for this episode. John Bearded Blevins joins us, and we have a grand old time. It's pretty rare for um, more than me and one co-host to be together. This is one of those special rare occasions. So we hope that you guys enjoy it. If you do, please hit that subscribe button, whichever podcast app you're listening in. If you're watching on YouTube, also hit subscribe there as well. You guys are awesome. Enjoy the episode. What's up? Welcome to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. There's a priest sitting next to me. Father Anthony is still here. Uh, uh, peek behind the curtain a little bit. Last week's show was recorded three hours ago. No, no, no. I've been here in your studio for a week wearing the same shirt. <laughs> Nothing has changed nope. other than the fact that you met Allison. I did meet Allison. So the only person not involved in today's show is Liv. Yeah. Because John's here. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, what's up? Father Anthony just living off the land, huh? In, mm-hmm. your, uh, in your room there. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So um, I was thinking about this uh, today because uh, Allison has met... Allison's the last person to meet Father Anthony. So I was uh-huh. thinking about all the connections between the five humans that host this show. Yeah. Right? So John, no, you haven't met everybody. I've met everybody. Yeah. John, I think you're missing the ladies, correct? Why do I feel like I met Liv? Did you? We've talked on the phone like four times in the last few months. Why do I feel like I met her? That's weird. She hasn't talked to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I don't think I have met her, but since we since she's so friendly and kind, I feel like I have. No, <laughs> but not Allison, huh? Not friendly. No, and kind. you know, we've Allison. I've only hung out that one time. Remember that 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 episode thing we did with uh, Game of Favorites? I think. Yeah, yeah. So the five of us have been together twice digitally. Yeah. So um, we we did an episode of this show all together. We played Game of Favorites together, and then uh, spoiler alert: episode three hundreds in like a month. So we'll all be together again for that one. Um, but in person. I think the last holdouts are just John and the two girls. I think so, too. I've met everybody. You've met everybody. Mm-hmm. The ladies have met each other, obviously. So I think it's just John and the ladies yeah. that's left. Name of your wow. new podcast, John and the Ladies. John, the, John, <laughs> John and the Ladies. <laughs> John, John uh, is producing a new podcast just about every week. One, one new one pops up. So there you go, buddy. Oh. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was a compliment or not. <laughs> me neither. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's most of our relationship, John, is me saying things. You just go, thanks, and take them uh, kindly. <laughs> and then people just assume the best, and so they fill the gap with trust and think that you're a nice human. Well, most people don't. You do, because you are a very trusting and caring person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony saw me host Trivia last night. Uh and you had one thing to say about my experience. You immediately started being mean to everybody. Yeah. You, after oh, like wow. very, <laughs> it was actually funny. Just joshing with everybody. But yeah, it was funny. He was making fun of all the uh, people playing uh, trivia. So it's like the show. So then we like, yeah, yeah it's, it's how I make friends is I make fun of people. It works. They loved it. Don't walk away. Yeah. Every, I, people like me. Make fun yeah, of them. Like, I, I don't know what to say. The people you were meanest to like had a whole conversation with us afterwards. So right. like it, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It works. Yeah, so uh, we we were joking because uh, there were there were seven teams, four of which were returning teams, and three of them were new. So like people returned for this. Yeah, <laughs> people keep coming back to the show. Y'all keep coming <laughs> on. on. <laughs> yeah, thank you, sir. I have another. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, J- John, there's been this video that's been um, circulating the internet mm. that I don't think you've seen on purpose. Elmo's COVID vaccine. What? Not that? No, what is that? Okay, no, I don't know. They vaccinated a Muppet. So what is it? Did they really? Yeah. Elmo. Elmo got the COVID vaccine. Did he really? Yeah. Then he fell over dead right away. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big controversy. He turned green, actually. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So what video, what video are you talking about? (laughs) All I want to talk about is this now. There are so many questions. Did that really happen? Like yeah, it's like a way of, it's like a, yeah, it's like a way of it's it's like a way of showing kids that it's okay to get the vaccine now. Yeah. 
He didn't die. He just took the vaccine. I yeah. get that. <laughs> <laughs> he also but, did not turn green. Yeah. He's a Muppet. Yeah. Yep. What Was there liquid in the syringe? I, I, all I saw was the uh, the article. I didn't. I, yeah. I dare not click. Those Do things. Muppets like they wouldn't get like COVID, but they might get like rabies. Like, did they get the same diseases no, people get? They're puppets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> the worst thing you can do to a puppet is get it wet. I mean, yeah, I guess you could rip its head okay, off. Okay, but in Muppet, like, <laughs> you let's, let's enter the, Muppa, the Muppet metaverse. The, are they animals? I bet, I bet Elmo uh, gets a um, rabies vaccine. So, you know how they always say, like, oh, yeah, we don't. None of our products were tested on animals. <laughs> yeah. But then there was the Muppets. Yep. All of our products were tested on Muppets. Anyway, you want to move on? Yeah. Probably. This, yeah. Ground I, to a halt. I could stay here all day. But okay. I think we should move on. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about liturgical abuse. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> favorite what, kind of abuse. That's we were setting up. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like a very... Terrible top ten list there, John. Y'all are, y'all, y'all are good people separate. <laughs> you can't ask. You can't ask for more real me and then hate more real me in the first five yeah, minutes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So uh, there's this video that I guess is technically liturgical abuse, but I the amount of money I would have paid to know this was coming and to be in attendance for this mass. Is all the all of my discretionary income? Mm-hmm. I would have spent all my, like I still want to feed my kids and you know keep the house and stuff. But all of my discretionary income, I would have spent just to be there for this moment. So this priest uh, is doing the, uh, the the general intentions. Or whatever. Yeah, the intercessions, the, the intercessory prayers, and it is the most hilarious and passive aggressive thing ever so we're gonna put you father anthony into mm-hmm. the position of uh bad priest yeah That's not a huge leap mm-hmm. <laughs> so- uh, wait, wait, let me get there let me get there i'm there okay <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so you're gonna share some of the intentions that this good priest um i have heard these i have laughed a lot father anthony has heard these and laughed a lot and these are new for john so every- everybody watch john's face as our as our um as our okay priest tries to be a bad priest. okay it's Laetare sunday so we're wearing pink and these are all chanted intercessions, so I'm going to chant them, okay? It starts simple. It gets exciting. Okay. From the blind sense of entitlement some people seem to have, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. For the times our sharp political ties have blinded us to the responsibility to care for each other, Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. From the blind attitude over theft of work Xerox paper for personal use, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When we are t- when we attempt to jump the line or skirt the rules to get a vaccine, Christ have mercy. Saint Elmo. <laughs> From the temptation to cheat at golf tournaments by not reporting strokes or a foot wedge, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. From a blind attitude during COVID of not wearing masks or ho- hoarding toilet paper, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. From the times we have lacked respect for God in church by distracted talking, Lord have mercy. Oh my gosh. Lord have mercy. When we are tempted to engage in gossip or incessant griping, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. When we are blind to racism in all, all its colors, Lord have mercy. All its colors. <laughs> For the times we blame the church as an excuse not to participate, Lord have mercy. That's my real confession. I will do one more. (gasps) When we become annoyed that someone is sitting in my pew or that the homily is too long, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. It goes on. That's just a sampling. Oh, man. (laughs) Man. So, John, I have many thoughts, but this is your first time hearing this thing that you've tried to avoid. You're welcome. Am I supposed to pretend that's my first time? Oh, have you heard it? No, you told me. No, that yeah, no, it. I didn't post it. I uh, saw it, commented on uh, it, and my comment was that I am shocked that it's such an empty church. <laughs> oh, good. Except I'm not. Yeah. Um. Here, here's some of my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. First, thoughts before the video. Thoughts on what just happened with Father Anthony. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm a trained singer. Yeah. And when you were going up 
Yeah. You know, a, a tone every time. Yeah. I was like, there's no way you could keep going soon. Correct. And I then you were like, bump back down. From the Yeah. I went back down. Yeah. It was very funny. I was I was thinking of my range. I was like, I can keep going as long as you want to go, but at some point you're not gonna be able to do Correct. Uh, my other thoughts on this. So on Twitter, I know this very well. You can only post two two minutes and 20 second videos. I, I know because this show is so great that I try to share so much of it. Like John is saying some great things. Father Anthony's saying great yeah. things. And the, the mean people over at Twitter don't let me post more than two two minutes and, uh, and 20 seconds of y'all's great content. Mm-hmm. Um, this video does not start at the beginning of the intercessions. Mm-hmm. Because somebody heard this and then pulled out their phone. (laughs) It does not stop at the end of the two two minutes and 20 seconds. It continues. We don't know. The rumor says that this is still going on to this day. We're not not (laughs) quite sure. My favorite responses were, or my favorite thoughts, were one, this is never ending. This is what the eternal chant of heaven sounds like. Mm -hmm. Secondly, like no one in that church was phased. Everyone was saying, Lord have mercy, like as loud as they could. Yeah. Meaning, this is not new. No. It's not like the priest was in a bad mood this day. This is their normal Sunday. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> well, hold on. So when is when what Sunday did you say that was? Latari Sunday. So when you wear pink during Lent. Yep. So just during Lent. Ago. And so mm-hmm. that's gonna be that's in uh, there any chance that could have been in January? No. Not this year. No, uh, middle middle of Lent was like March ish. Because yeah. I I tried to when I saw it, of course I rolled my eyes and I it just says this is why as a church we can't have nice things. Mm. But uh, I thought to myself maybe it's in maybe it's a once a year thing like a New Year's Seinfeld airing of grievances where once a year they do this, not often or monthly or even twice a year. But this you think this happens more than just that one time? I think. That because I, I watched it the first time and just died laughing and watched the priest the whole time. The second time I watched the congregation and listened and they were responding just like a father said, you know, uh, for Pope Francis and all of his intentions and the, and the bishops across the world. Lord have mercy. Oh. Like it was, it was so normal. Yeah. It was so normal. But he's over here saying like, uh, "It's Thanksgiving that Elmo got a vaccine." <laughs> yeah, that might be this weekend. So I'm gonna give a different perspective here because at first, when I first saw it, I'm like, "This has to be a bit." And I realized it wasn't a bit. This is totally genuine. And you know what? I think it's great. I you do not. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, first of all, this priest. He's he's be joking. I'm serious. No, 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 no. I love this. Okay, so no, much. No, no, no. I think it's very good. So he's teaching and he like it's a parish that like they respect tradition, they're chanting, you know, and he's not a perfect <laughs> chanter, but he's doing a good job, right? And he's bringing the intentions and the things that we should be sorry about like really down to earth, like making them really concrete, you know? Cuz a lot of times they're general, we ignore them, but like who hasn't stolen Xerox copy paper from their office for personal use? Like that, I, that Xerox copy paper I yeah. did not purchase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? I had to bring those sins to the Lord in in the body of Christ, in the congregation. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful way to really concretize our sins instead of like abstractly just washing them away. Like, no, let's really bring the stuff that we really do badly to the Lord now. I, I cried. This is the most mad you've ever made me. I know. <laughs> I, ke- I, I kept glancing back and forth between you and John, and I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> this is not the great chatting. Uh, well, I mean, why isn't it? I think this is the reform of the reform. So you got oh the chance. You got this real down-to-earth, like, real, real intercessions. And, you know, praise God for that. Uh, I think he's really been thinking and praying about all these intercessions. Um and it's definitely not directed to like one or two people in the congregation. Um, it's definitely not him just working out his problems for that week. I think it's a real, genuine attempt to convert souls. And I, I respect as a fellow priest, I respect that. <laughs> there is certainly no way that it was just six wealthy seventy-year-old women and six wealthy seventy-five-year-old men. Certainly not just their parish council making these uh, grievances. No, no, no. Kay. If it was, if it was, it was out of deep prayer, deep mm. prayer. Deep prayer. My favorite one, my favorite one, as at myself being a degenerate Catholic gambler. Yeah. My favorite one was the one about golfing and cheating on strokes. Yeah. Like this priest went to a charity golf tournament. Absolutely, he did. And one of the people in that room beat him by like two strokes. Exactly. And he could not prove that they were cheating, <laughs> but he was sure as heck going to let them know. 
that he knew. It's one of those things. Sometimes you can't get full justice for things, but you can control the thing. Just let the other person know that you know, mm -hmm. and it's just a powerful thing. And I, I respect it. You know, I never thought about using the sacred liturgy as my own personal weapon to hurt other people. <laughs> like, I never thought about that, but you well, know what? This priest has opened my mind to new possibilities. Open my heart, Lord. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Perhaps a new Roman missile, if yeah. you will. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, good job. That's a weapon. Jonathan. Yeah, That's a yeah. Weapon. Thank you. Missile. Very good. Very good. John, any yeah. other thoughts on this, this, uh, this video in particular? In all seriousness, this is what is wrong with the church right now, and, and it's a huge joke. That's all my that's all my that's all my thoughts. That's it. That's all I have. Look it around that church. Joke. Nobody's under 30. Like you got these boomers that think that this is how the church needs to be and we can do fun things. I'm all for being creative. You want to do a fundraiser? Do a fundraiser where the highest bidder can ban a song played at mass the rest of the year. Fine. No, you don't address that at mass though. You, so I, you know I what just I'm think do? it's it's wild. What? I'm when I finally get money, I'm gonna do that, and I'm I'm gonna ban one of the mass parts just to show, prove a point. <laughs> can't ban the mass part. Can't do the, song. Can't do the holy, holy, holy. Uh, no, you know what? what I mean. No Lamb of God. <laughs> You're banning the song. All are welcome. Fine. Yes. Yeah. No Gloria. We so there's time. Say. I'm saying there's room for fun. There is there's room, room for, for there's room for what literally happened there because honestly I think it's a joke I do not believe that they were serious I believe that that is like something they do as a joke they let the parishioners write them in and it becomes a meme every month or every year I really do think that's what I'm hoping is the case you have and, to think that it's 100 real John I'm uh, sorry to if tell you. if not let's just assume it was let's just assume, whatever let's assume it was like a funny <laughs> thing then just do it at your church picnic and it would be hilarious and you can use it to raise money it'd be good yeah it'd be good like skit yeah like parish fundraiser. But to no. do it like seriously, it just I can't. I can refuse to accept that it's real. It's one hundred percent real. I like John <laughs> idea a lot though. Like where you can just be like, I, I want to pay. Like, let's all get to the church picnic and let let's let that be the time. Like usually at church picnic, the gossip is behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine letting yeah. people pay for petitions? An actual airing of grievances. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, chance. right. It's actually brilliant. Dear God, we ask that you make Susan just a little bit more patient <laughs> in the church. <laughs> <laughs> Help Father respond to his emails more promptly. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Oh, I think we've solved all the church's problems. Um, Anthony's been joking about it. John's clearly upset. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely enjoyed this. It was so funny. Like... Do I want this to be my church that I go to every Sunday? Not at all. Mm -hmm. But do I want this to exist so that I can find where it is so I can go visit it once? 100%. 100%. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in a Catholic church. And, like, it's one of those things where it's like, like, I've seen real liturgical abuse, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I've, I think I've shared on this show before that we had a priest dressed in all all rainbow cassock and albs and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was during the Easter season. So, you know, they go around, they do like the sprinkling rider or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, one day we went, it was daily mass at his parish. One day he used a super soaker mm -hmm. and, and was, you know, shooting us with holy water. Uh, and then the second day he used um, like that stuff, the like weed killer, the stuff that you put weed killer in, oh you my gosh. Like pump it up or whatever. So like, I was like, are we the weeds? Like I was really confused. Yes. You know? that's and, <laughs> and like, there's stuff like that. But then, like, there's stuff like this that's, like, actually part of the Mass. And, you know, they were real intentions. Just strange. I loved it. John's so mad. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably in my archdiocese. What? Yeah. Okay, so speaking, speaking of which, John, I want to give you the floor. Because we, we've riled you up now. But uh, you, you have been a, um, not a, what, what's the opposite of proponent? Uh, a you have been a whistleblower, I think. A, wi oh. a, whist a, a liturgical whistleblower on Twitter. Oh, guys. A wh whistleblower, and you've been a foe of liturgical abuse for a while on, on, on your Twitter, right? And it's one thing to do it on Twitter, right? But um, I, just, I just saw an article that you were a part of. I haven't read it yet because I just saw it today. Mm -hmm. um, but you were a part of this article. So explain. Uh, we, we talked last week about how... Uh, you know, Anthony and I were mentioned in the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. but I think Ooh. you were mentioned in a, in a paper too or something, right? So, what was what was your article about? So, yeah, it was um, a, a guy named Jonathan reached out uh, from uh, the Catholic News Register, which is 
CNR, not NCR, just clarify, because I always get the two confused, even though mm-hmm. one is much better than the other. Um, and the Catholic News Register is it does a really good job. And uh, basically, he saw my original tweet of this parish about 10 minutes from me, um, Holy Family in Inverness, where this pa- the, the pastor gets up and blesses the congregation at the end of Mass with a guitar. Um, now, here's the thing. You have to understand. Is it a year, Buck? <laughs> I know, right? A year <laughs> early, a year before that, or maybe even like a year and a half before that, right when my daughter was born, we had one of those weird like moments where we just didn't go to Mass in the morning because it was her nap time. And it's like all of a sudden close to 5 p.m. And, and she's kind of crying again. I'm like, what if we find another church near us that has like a 6 or 7 p.m.? We'll just go to that one. And so that one we went to at 6 p.m. We had no idea. As soon as we pulled in on the front of the church, it said uh, that, that big sign that says our mass never ends. And as, so- as soon as we pulled in, I was like, oh, no, Jody, like, <laughs> that's not true. The mass ends every time. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is what is this? And I was, no, I was like, no, the mass still has not ended. This uh, the priest from our oh. previous story is still chanting. That's, yeah, that still is going on. that particular mass is still going. In yeah. general, there is an end to mass. Yes. Yeah. And so, I, as soon as we pulled in, I was scared, and I won't go into the whole thing there, but I will just say that it's the most horrified I've ever been. And I am not someone who is super easily offended. I beca- I think lately I am. I'm way more Clearly. sensitive to just. I just want the priest to say the black and do the red. That's very. I think that the people have a right to that. And you know what part of it probably is that I grew up in a parish that did a lot of things very incorrectly and wildly wrong that I didn't really understand until later I studied theology and fell in love with Jesus in my own kind of way. Um, and so it's it, I'm sensitive because my parents didn't know. They just thought they were part of a cool parish, like, you know, their, their whole life. This parish is cool. The priest is really nice and inclusive. He'll never talk about confession ever. Um, and, and that's just how it was. And I didn't know that. So All now it just kind of in hell. <laughs> yeah. Now it just kind of bugs me in the wrong way. So I went there. I wrote a lengthy but charitable Twitter thread like oh, like two years ago about all the things I saw. And I didn't even receive communion, which is again rare for me. Like I I, I know the, the Eucharistic prayers, just say it and we're fine. And I like he had uh, a woman stand up there and say the Eucharistic prayer with him. I mean, it was I I was like, I am not going to receive communion. So my wife and I just kind of left after after mass. And uh, so then a year later, I see the guitar blessing and I was like, this is insane. They're still at it. Like I would have figured something would have been done. And so I share it and it kind of blows up and whatever. And I refused an interview with this, this guy, Jonathan, who's a good reporter. And then I, so my friend sent me another one a couple of weeks ago. And it's a video of a, a lay guy uh, just doing the bubbles in the middle of the homily. He's giving the homily. And then at the end, they're like literally singing and dancing to like a 1980s disco song. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just dancing on the altar. I mean, right. I mean, it, it is. It is insane. And and so I, I tweeted another video because nothing happened the first time. The parish did take down all their YouTube and Facebook videos after the guitar blessing video. And then I tweeted another one. And all I said was like, dear Cardinal Supich, please make it stop. Um, which like you could take that as kind of like short and edgy, but also it's just very simple. Please yeah. stop. Make this stop. It's happening. And so then the guy reaches back out and says, hey, now you want to do an interview? And I was like, yes. <laughs> My anger has grown to the yes. point where I'm not making good decisions. <laughs> so, so it, and he, he did a really good job. He asked really good questions. He talked about how, uh, you know, Cardinal Supich is interpreting, you know, what Pope Francis wrote in a document I'm not going to pronounce correctly. Tradiciones Custodes. And, um, and, and really, God Cardinal, bless you. thank you. Cardinal Supich really has, he, he doesn't allow, you know, um, the uh, adorantum anymore. Uh, which is not even part of what Pope Francis wrote. He's banned uh, most of the Latin masses, all kinds of things that won't go into now. Um, but why not then stop, you know, parades happening in the middle of mass? Uh, and so they didn't respond to any letters that I wrote. And so I, I did the interview and it was just released and it's gotten a lot of good feedback so far. And I tried to be as loving and as charitable as possible. But my main concern is for the people who have grown up in that church who don't know any better and they don't know what they're missing and they don't know this, the, the, how, how powerful and emo- even emotional that, that a sacred liturgy can be uh, when done right and done well. And that's all. That, those are my thoughts. And so I do think that it's doing a huge disservice to our church, um, not just in America and parts of Europe as well. And it saddens me. Mm-hmm. I've never seen John angry at anything except liturgical abuse. <laughs> And every time it comes up, it makes me so happy because I love seeing my bad qualities in other people. It makes me feel so good about myself. Hmm. So watching John anger, John's anger rise just makes me feel really good. I'm hoping this is a righteous anger. <laughs> I, I, I hope my mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's totally fair because justice isn't being done. Like, you're right. People deserve a reverence and orthodox liturgy. And um, they don't have the power to change that, really. 
And so it's really an abuse on several different levels. Uh, like you said, they're being deprived of what the liturgy actually is. Um, and so to be angry about that is good. And to be honest, you know, I was reading that article, and when I found out that you didn't want to do their first uh, interview, that you were writing letters and doing everything like I would tell somebody to do when they were upset about something in the church. Like you did all those things, and when none of those things worked, then you gave a very respectful interview. So I was actually very proud of you, John. I thought you'd handle it perfectly. Uh, whether, whether anything else gets you. done, you were able to stay, um, you know, keep your own integrity and do what you could for the church. And that's great. And uh, this is a funny story. So yeah. the, I got a priest uh, who was just, I won't even say that, uh, because he anonymously did the interview as well. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Yeah. And he sent me a text and he goes, I just want you to know, this is going to be the talk of our entire convocation of priests this week, which is happening apparently this week in, in Chicago. Awesome. He's it like, is, I'll let you know it how it goes. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's very great. exciting. Man. Yeah. John, we have something else in common. We're both going to be blackballed by certain dioceses. Yeah, the one I live in. Great. <laughs> we did it. Guess that sponsorship goodbye. No, I still, I, I have literally just signed on a conference for them. So I don't know. They don't seem to care. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I, um, you know, Father Anthony's proud of you because, you know, you're, you're, you did all the, all the right things. I'm proud of you because you're using, liturgical abuse to build your platform and i just love that so no much. it's I'm so funny so it's so funny you it's say that because marketing you've done it so no well. it's so funny you say that because if you knew anything about who i am and what i do you would know that that's not the demographic i'm going after at all so if anything it's hurt my brand to be completely honest which is hopefully i'm showing that i don't care about that which is why i'm posting it anyway like mm -hmm. who you want these rad you think these rad trads are coming into my Fortnite streams and being like, hey bro, can I donate a hundred dollars? No, they're like, why is this kid playing a child's game? <laughs> so what John told me in response to what I said, he yeah. looked us in the eyes yeah. and he told me if you knew me at all. And I just want to point out that I know John perfectly well and I got exactly the response I wanted. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> you fell, you fell right into the trap. It was great. It was great. So what did we learn here? We learned, first and foremost, that Taylor loves strange things at Mass. Yes. We learned, secondly, that uh, that Father Anthony is really good at uh, you know lying in order to rile John up. And we learned that John is the best person among us, which wasn't a surprise. Yeah, that's fair. It's totally fair. <laughs> John, we're all very proud of you for different reasons. But uh, guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back, and we're going to talk a little bit more about priests and their training and if it works. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Okay, now you have to put your clerics on. <laughs> I didn't bring clerics to Texas. That's you know, you know I'm teasing you. I know, that's totally fine. It was a great dig, though. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Be A Heart. They designed some of the greatest Catholic gifts in all of the Catholic internet and Catholic land. Um, they sent me this St. Joseph doll, which I absolutely love. My kids like to come and play in the studio and they found this the other day and they thought it was for them and they wanted to take it. And ultimately it will be theirs uh, in a couple of weeks whenever uh, you know we're done promoting this specific thing. But uh, they are chomping at the bit to, to hang out with this and add this to their collection. They have a six foot Jesus. <laughs> Over there. Uh, they're looking to, I think it's gonna be really funny having uh, this wonderful St. Joseph next to a six foot Jesus. But as you can see, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if not, I'll explain it to you. It's got uh, the L for how big of a loser that Satan is because, you know, St. Uh, Joseph is the crusher of demons, the terror of demons. Uh, he's got his saw and in, in his backpack on the back, he's got a nice little prayer. Um, so I actually go to a parish called St. Joseph's and I'm really happy to have this. So um, what you guys need to do for a gift like this, there's stuff for kids, there's stuff for adults everywhere in between. So wonderful Catholic things to have around your house for gifts for other people. Uh, Beaheart.com, B-E-A heart.com. Visit their summer shop, sign up for their email list and you will get 10% off your first order store wide. Beaheart.com. I am still Taylor. That is still Father Anthony. This is still Jonathan Lene. Sorry, go ahead. All right. Welcome back to Funny Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That's Jonathan Lene Bearded Blevins. This is Father Anthony Sharapa. Um, so I was, I, I mentioned it on last week's show, slash, slash three and a half hours ago, so yep. that uh, I was at a conference with, with Bishop Toops. And one of the big things that the diocese did very well was there was like a thread of vocational like vocation awareness you know uh, for primarily for the priesthood but vocation awareness throughout the entire conference I was the MC they had me mention it a few times um, they had they either had all of their seminarians 
at the conference, and the two that they didn't, they had submit videos to like be a part of the conference. Wow. Like, hey, you know, one guy was in uh, one guy was in Rome, and the other guy was in another country, but they were both like, you know, they, so they'd come on, and I, I'd throw to the video, and and. They'd be like, hey, this is so-and-so. I'm studying in Rome. I want to give a shout-out to my parish. And the parish went wild. You know, I got all this stuff, right? Um, Bishop talked about it. They had me talk about it. The the, the seminarians talked about it. And uh, one of the seminarians, who I actually met about nine months ago, um, I met him as a seminarian. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I'm sorry. I met him as a transitional deacon. But he had been ordained a transitional deacon in Chicago, where John is, right? And... uh, Bishop Toops has a very good reputation, very, very good reputation. And I, f- I forget who it was. I don't think it was the rector of the seminary, but it was somebody involved in the seminary in Chicago. That person w- moved to the Diocese of Beaumont. So because of Bishop Toops and how great he is and this guy essentially wanting to follow this other guy as well, he got permission to leave the Diocese of Beaumont or sorry, the Diocese of Chicago, mm. and become a transitional deacon. It, he was weeks away from becoming a priest. And then so it, it it elongated the process just a little bit, but he was able to come to the Diocese of Beaumont. He's a, 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 a transitional deacon now, and he'll be ordained a priest in a couple of months for the Diocese of Beaumont. I cannot believe they let him do that. Right. Same. I literally can't believe that. Right. Same. It's crazy, right? And I couldn't believe he did it. Right. Like yeah. he, he was telling me a story. I was like, I've never heard this before. This is new, but it's really cool. And you can tell he, the dude's on fire. Like he's going to be a phenomenal priest. Mm. Like he's like cream of the crop kind of kind of guy. And um, so he had a pretty prominent role. He was like essentially like the the um, like I was the MC of the conference. He was like the mass MC. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, the master ceremonies for the for the masses and everything. And um, he got to speak it like he, he was the guy that did the introduction to like uh, adoration and confession and all this. It's like he's a superstar. Right. And so because seminary was a huge like part of this conference that I was a part of. And they were talking to these guys like, oh, you're in year six. You're in year seven. This guy was in year eight. Right. And I was thinking I had this thought immediately. My first thought was seminary is way too long. It's way too long. Like the the jobs that I can train people for, you can become a heart surgeon faster than that. Like you can like it's right around the same time, yeah. but like the hardest jobs in the world, like the most technical jobs in the world, you know, rocket scientists, less than that, or right around that, right? You know, bachelor's degree, less than that. Bachelor's degree plus a master's degree, six years. You become a doctor pretty quickly. And I was like, I had these two thoughts immediately. Seminary is way too long, and yet in so many cases it wasn't enough. <laughs> Taylor, in many ways, they are spiritual heart surgeons. Oh. oh you know me too well. You knew that was going to deflate me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> what do you think, Tony? Was your seminary too long, too short, or just right? Um, you know, okay, so <clears throat> for me, it was just right. Um, it's hard to tell. It's one of those things like you can't – I like. Hmm. <laughs> it's it's really difficult because like when you're trained to be a doctor you start to do doctory things right you start to be a nurse you do rounds you do all these things you're, you're basically being a doctor beforehand um you're not ne- you're not a priest until you're a priest and even though i really i gave it my all in seminary as far as like my own formation trying to figure out my own stuff work on that um and try to learn as much as i could all that and then i had to start off day one what it actually meant to be a priest it's, i tell people it's like this okay you spend eight years talking about this pool of water and they tell you about the temperature of the water and how the water moves and this is what wetness is like and okay so i know everything about this pool i don't like that at all yeah exactly. <laughs> just deal with it uh i know everything about this pool but none of it matters once you jump in because it's an entirely different experience you don't know how to swim <laughs> yeah, yeah i was taught the motions like this is what you do to swim or whatever just like this if you're watching the video this is how you swim yep. um and so but oh it's almost like like all that was everything they taught me was correct but in a certain sense it didn't matter as much because i have now i have to swim in the water it's it's totally different um so that's kind of what it is. So what seminary should do is it should make you very aware of your strengths and especially your weaknesses so that you don't take any of your own hurts. I can do that in an else. hour. Yeah. 
Well, a lot of people can't. Um, and, uh, you know, certain liturgical and theological training, like that's all good, but an important, but nothing can prepare you to actually be a priest. Like my idea of priesthood has changed radically over six years. It just, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a way to fix that. So I don't know. How long did it take you? Eight? Uh, it was, I was in the seminary for eight years. Yeah. And what's the fastest? If somebody has a, let's say somebody wants to join, they're, they're 23, they have a bachelor's degree, and it's, but it's not in philosophy. It's just in yeah. business. Um, what's the fast track? Depending on the diocese, the fastest I've ever heard about is six years. Hmm. I think it could be four. Um, I do. I think, I think, I think like depending on the age and stuff, like I think, cause a lot of, I mean, there's a guy by us recently, I won't, won't use names who made this huge post and he he literally goes, he's been ordained for six years after six years of ordination and a six month discernment to discern my vocation, bro. You can't rediscern your vocation. I don't get to rediscern my, my marriage. Okay. Like I I'm in, he goes, and, and even though I find celibacy to be incomprehensible, I'm going to be assigned to this parish. And he's, and then he, he's coming back <laughs> like, what? buddy, it's, it's not a secret. <laughs> that's, that's actually like one of the most well-known parts of becoming a Catholic priest. Uh, and, and so I don't think, like, I do think that maybe for situations like that, you need six to eight years to, if they're young, maybe during the process, so they can understand what they're saying yes to a yeah, lot of sure. people's mind, brains aren't fully developed to like 24 or whatever. And when they're 19 and they're already have, or, you know, 20 and they're already a quarter of the way through seminary, who knows? But I do think that a 25-year-old guy who knows what he wants and knows the Lord's calling him to it can be trained in four years. Here's here's where I kind of landed, right? Okay. I, I, I was thinking for, and it's hard to do this, but you and I, uh, you and I, Father Anthony, have talked about this before, about how, um, how it frustrated me learning about your seminary experience and others mm-hmm. that like, there, you know, it, it was in our conversation about social media and becoming a priest and social oh, right, media in the yeah, seminary, yeah. right? And I learned in that, con- I was already angry, and yeah. then I learned in that conversation that there isn't a ton of one-on-one time in the seminary. There's like your, um, you know, spiritual direction or whatever, yeah, but not like one-on-one mentorship, one-on-one training, which like in every other job. So like, I, I worked in the ministry world, but not. As a priest, obviously. So I went to college for four years. I ended up doing one year of grad school, but I dropped out after that. So I did five years of of prep, and I was working full-time in ministry within a year of my first year of of undergrad, right? Um, And I was able to do pretty good ministry. Like, I'm better now, but it's not like I didn't know what I was doing, right? I was able to swim, and I didn't look stupid like you did earlier. (laughs) But, um, like, because, like, yours is a lot of practical training mm. and i was getting one-on-one mentorship from people in ministry be, who could come up and say like hey you did this it could have been better try this and i was able to watch them and kind of learn from them and that sort of thing uh so i think good people who have good hearts i think it can be shorter sure right but i think in order to do that there needs to be one-on-one mentorship and somebody who knows the heart and the mind of that person along the way which it could be shorter right i th- i think the eight years is a huge detriment to vocations now i get that that's how it's been for a long time and not, but but you know we used to have more vocations obviously there's more factors than just that right but i do think it is a factor of like i can you know become a professional banker in four years or i can be a priest and make no money in eight you know um but then also like i see i have experienced a lot of priests and we've talked about a lot of them today um that weren't that are not formed that have been priests for years and years and years that were not formed enough right Mm -hmm. so i think my proposal is shorter seminary but and i know i i I, even saying this out loud i know how much push that pushback there would be from current priests because every time i hear that they have to go to a convocation or they have to go to some training whatever they hate it and try everything to get out of it right but i think if the culture was less seminary and more ongoing formation one-on-one mentorship more classes more longer associate pastorships yeah, I, I just I think there's another solution. I don't think I have it, but it, it just it just bat, like it hit me like a ton of bricks that these two things are true at the same time, that it's way too long. And yet for certain people, it's not enough. But for other people, I think it was 
It, it, oh, go, go ahead. I have more thoughts, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it very much depends on the guy. And I, I thought about this a lot um, because the reason why we have the seminary system the way we do is because of the Council of Trent. Before, it used to be very much a mentorship sort of deal. You want to be a priest, so you would um, go to your local parish, and that priest would or would not train you. The problem was there wasn't enough education for these guys, so they weren't prepared in that way, even if they were pastoral. Um, now it's kind of the opposite. There's a lot more academic, a lot less pastoral sort of thing. But when the bottom line, I think, and this is the problem that we have, um, good priests train good priests. So I am most indebted, not from all the classes, even though I liked a lot of the classes, a lot of teachers were good. The most important part of my formation was working with good priests. Um, the ones who I had for spiritual direction or formation advising, the ones who I saw um, at the early morning holy hours when they didn't have to be, like those guys made me a better priest, right? Um, and the problem is it can be difficult to find priests who are both good priests and good mentors. Because a lot of the difficulty is like they'll send guys for summer assignments to people who they think are successful priests for whatever reason, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good mentor or have even time. Or like we're just in a very difficult situation right now. Um, my uh, We did have three priests at my parish. One of the other parochial vicars is now the pastor of some of two other churches now. We just don't have the guys to a long mentorship, right? Um, except I've been doing this for six years, so either I'm not good enough to be a pastor or... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to think about that. <laughs> but uh, it's... it's. I think it. I think you're right. For some guys, um, it could be four years. Um, there's a priest, a good buddy of mine, Father Matt, who was a professor in college. He, late vocation. Like, give that guy four years. He knows the faith. He knows everything. He's incredibly mature. He's great. What's like, the ordained version of Santo Subito? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say so now. Yeah. So it's, it's very tricky. It is. It's all tricky. And I don't disagree with anything you guys have said, but I also don't, I don't know if there's a one size fits all thing. Yeah, there's yeah. No, yeah, I don't think there is. What about hiring CEOs to run parishes and letting the priests do what they're trained to do pastorally? No, absolutely not. Okay, why? Because the priest is responsible for the parish. Now, now I think like a priest should be have a good business manager, right? And and it's important for like like I don't know a lot about spreadsheets. I can hire someone to do that, but I right. cannot give them the responsibility of that. I still have to hold the responsibility. I think that's that's the big difference, because um, at the parish as pastor, it is your responsibility. So you can't just like let someone else run the parish. You can give them work to do, and they can aid you in that. But I think that's the very because I'm not just a sacramental machine, or even well, a no, totally, machine, or even a pastoral machine. Like this is part of the theology of the church is that leadership flows from ordination. So I I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but there's an idea that we can just have people. Um, take over all the responsibilities in the church, and they can't. The priest has to. So, be what about a COO uh, that the I, priest works hand in hand with? I don't know. Okay, something like that would be fine, right? Like operations, like yes, the, the, then, the, then the priest can be the good leader and everything. Right, they working together. I, I think we need more of those in the church. Sure, I absolutely agree with that. I, I think y'all are agreeing. The COO of a church is called a business manager. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, yo, but never. But they don't. Have, they don't ever do that. But the problem is, sometimes parishes don't have money for that. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot of times people hire a, a parish will hire a business manager, but it really isn't a business manager. It's just somebody who's marking the books. Yeah. yeah that's not, that's the difference between yeah. like uh, an accountant and a business manager. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So it's tough. Yeah. But yes, I in general, I agree with you. So um, you started to answer it, but I have one last question on this uh, because we've all one of the crazy things that I realized and it was actually after becoming friends with you mm. and this this realization that I had of. Priests have always been older than me. That was one. And like we're like months away from being the same, like, you know, the same age. Like mm. we were born in the same year. <laughs> but then two, I had that revelation that we were, you know, like when I just like right kind of when we first met, yeah. that we were the same age. I was like, oh, it's a priest of my age. I've never really been like friends with the priest. This is this is cool. And then it was years later, uh, a year or two ago, where you and I were having a conversation, and I forget exactly what it was, but it was like a ministry, like a not not necessarily pastoral, but like a ministerial mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And it just wasn't clicking for you. Mm. And I was like, this is weird. Like it was a weird feeling for me that I was like, how does why does why does this not like instantly make sense for you? Because mm. I was like, oh, he's been in ministry for as long as I have. And then I was like, I've been in professional ministry for 12 years. Father Anthony's been doing it for six. Yeah. No, you're way more formed than I am because you were in seminary for <laughs> right. God knows how long. But it was this weird thing for me, right? So my 
my uh, and I've thought about that a lot since since then, right? But uh, since that happened, and it and it came back when we were t- when I was thinking about this whole seminary formation thing, because one of the things that you've taught me a lot about the seminary formation is that there's not a lot of ministerial training, yeah. right? And so, um, I'm going to ask John, and then I'll ask Father Anthony, and I'll see if I can come up with an answer. Mm. But John, in your formation, because you're you've been very successful in ministry too, like you've done you've done great things. Like, what do you think in your formation, whether it was before you started ministry or something early in ministry, whatever? What do you think is the thing, the most helpful thing for your formation to become like the minister that you have been for years? Um, it was. It, it's been it's been the it's been the people in mentorship. It really, it's been my first pastor, who's now the bishop in Duluth, who is a very good friend of mine, and taught me literally everything I was bad at. He made me either great at or decent enough at to do, um, and and he did that in a very loving way, but a very firm way, um, where he it was just a, an expectation that he ex- had for me, and he said, "This is what you're going to do. I'm going to teach you how to do it, and then you're going to continue doing it without me having to remind you." But it was much more loving than how I made it sound. Uh, and then Joel Saponic, like working, he was my first boss um, at, at that same parish. And he is a great leader and led by example and walked me through different scenarios. And I mean, every scenario, a, 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 an unwanted pregnancy um, with a teen. What do you what do you do with that? Like if the teen comes to you and shares that with you, how do you counsel them through it? Um, suicidal teenager, like th- like things that like like situations you can't teach in a classroom. But I was with him and he walked me through those. And I never knew it was happening at the time. But then as I was growing in ministry and, and doing ministry, I remembered how he handled those things and then took the things that I learned, used them, and then used my own gifts that God gave me as well to have that happen. So for me, it's all been it's all been the leaders and mentors in my life, which is ultimately the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so that's probably going to be my answer, but I'll, I'll change it up to make it more interesting. Uh, I was trying to prove that point. But yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, but no, absolutely. So, okay, a little bit of a twist to that is, and I think you probably would say this too, is the people who've ministered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I learned how to minister to others in a big way. So going through that formation. And the biggest lesson from that yeah, for me is learning not to panic about where I was. It's like, oh, you are in a bad place right now. That's okay. Like just being at peace with wherever you are, um, that's the only place that's the only way you can grow. It's like, oh, you're not good at this thing. Okay, let's not freak out. You're not good at this thing. Now it's time to get better at this thing. And just like that whole attitude has been huge for my formation. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's the people who help me through it all. Yeah. For me, it was, um, I learn a lot by watching other people. Like, like by seeing not just the content, but the method of how people teach. So a lot of like my youth ministers, uh, speakers at Stupidville conferences, and then uh, like my grad school professor, I talked about him on last week's show. A lot of my grad school for pe- professors, like how they taught, I, I was not just learning what they were teaching me, but I was watching how they taught it and learning because they were teaching it well, right? So I learned a lot from example. Uh, but then like my first year in ministry, similar to what John was saying, is like, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was trained in how to do stuff, but like being the person where like all the questions stopped, like obviously there's a pastor there, but he wasn't super involved. So it was like, really the book kind of stopped with me for most things. And I didn't know how to handle that because I was a 22 year old kid running a youth, running a youth program. But there was a guy in town who was a former youth minister. And we met at uh, he, we met when I needed him when I had specific questions. But we had a standing meeting once a month mm-hmm. where he, um, where uh, for a while he bought me Mexican food, and then I started buying him Mexican food because it was so valuable to me to to have these once a month meetings. And he was he mentored me and he helped me through all the crap. So um, that was one. I kind of I kind of figured for just from talking to John specifically about it. I wasn't as sure for you. Yeah. Um, but that a lot of lay people trained in ministry, it is so much practical training. So yeah. much. So much practical training. And um, there's less of that with seminary stuff. And like what you were saying, like, it is harder, right? I do think it is harder, and I, and I get that because it's a different type of ministry. It is yeah, harder to, harder to, to do. But I, I, I've been thinking a lot about doctors. I brought them up earlier, right? About how they do, they do all their schooling, and then they go do their rotations. Yeah. And those rotations are at specific hospitals led by specific doctors who are good at training and helping people who maybe make mistakes and that sort of thing and helping them on. Scrubs is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I just want to make a Catholic Scrubs is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. And I want to be the mean boss. <laughs> but, Obviously. Uh, but like, I, I think like this whole like mentorship thing that I'm talking about, I think if there are good priests – that the in the diocese that could be like 
this mentorship kind of thing. Maybe they're not the hugest parish and they're not run super. Th- but like the doctors who are running rounds don't have the same responsibilities as a guy who's not running rounds, right? So I, I like that's the biggest like quote unquote like semi reasonable solution. It's very different than what we're doing now, but it's the only semi reasonable conclusion that I could come to that kind of matches all these things that have been floating around in my head. So it was good to talk to y'all about it and kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. My good and faithful servant. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I mentioned a few months ago that uh, Fort the Catholic is growing. That's a great thing. Our ministry is growing. The things that we are doing is growing. So I needed some help. So I hired a young man who had been contracting with me to start working part-time. And I asked you guys uh, to help and to donate. Um, you know, If you're already a donor, to increase your donation a little bit. If you've not yet been a donor, to start donating. And a lot of you have. We needed to raise about $1,250, $1,500 a month for him. And we're about at $1,000 a month. So thank you guys. A ton of you guys came through. We're still a little bit short. Uh, so if you want to support the ministry that we are doing here and help us as we continue to grow, if you've ever enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed uh, seeing me speak or lead worship at an event, uh, if you enjoyed any of the podcasts that we produce, that's really what he is helping to do. You can do so by uh, giving a one-time or a monthly donation to, at ForteCatholic.com slash donate. We are a nonprofit, so it counts for, you know, like it's tax deductible. It's also kind of like a tithing thing. So we could really use your support. ForteCatholic.com slash donate to donate today. You guys rock. Thank you to all those who um, are our new donors over the last few months. And of course, thank you to our donors who have been supporting us for years. You guys rock. Couldn't do it without you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and these are two of my best friends. So uh, John is a huge sports fan. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, j- this is technically John and I's episode. You just got to hear. Oh, yeah. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Welcome. You guys have fun. So I, um, I saved a sports topic for John. But you're not the biggest sports fan in the world. No, no. But this story is about the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I am where, aware of them. Yes, that's where <laughs> you live. I Vaguely. see their jerseys on Sundays very often. Yes. The, uh, in mass. In mass, <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> in mass and in M-A-S-S-E. Yeah. Yes. M-A-S-S-E. In mass, in mass. Yes, very good. Uh, it was a very simple, stupid joke, but I wanted to make sure I pointed it out. Good. So, uh, John. No, not John. Father Anthony, mm. what is the name of the coach who has been the coach for them for decades? Is it decades now? Yeah. I, I think it's close to 20 years. Is it really? That's yeah. crazy. Because uh, anyway, it's it's uh, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. Yes. Uh, John, you, you knew that. But did you happen to see, John, the video? Um, they, they recently did a podcast with Mike Tomlin and Ryan Clark. Did you see that podcast at all? I did not see the podcast. I did hear about it, though, but I have not yeah. seen it. So I did not watch the whole thing, but I watched this minute-long clip that uh, that ESPN shared on Instagram, right? So it's the little 60-second clip. 60 seconds, and I was tearing up by the end of the first time I, I saw it. Like, uh, which is funny, because we recorded three and a half hours ago, and I was tearing up at the end of our last show, too. You're just emotional lately. <laughs> dude, it's been... Ever, dude, ever since that senior class started graduating in that track season, it's been... I've been crying a lot. I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi. I cried like eight times during the finale. What's wrong with me? Anyway, so... Uh, Mike Tomlin, this great coach. He's literally never had a losing season ever. Never had a losing season with the Steelers in the, I think it's 18, 19 years. It's, it's somewhere around there, right? Uh, incredible, incredible like leadership. Uh, even like the the only like quote unquote knock on him is he's not like the best game manager, the best like, he's not the best offensive coordinator. He's not the best defensive coordinator, but the best pro for him is that he's a leader of men. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's been the big thing that that holds him together. Uh, would you? What What do you know about Mike? That you do you like him, John? Yeah, oh, he's great. I don't know how you couldn't. He he's a he's a player's coach, and there's a, a lot of ways to be a player's coach. To give an example, someone who might not know, Bill Belichick is not a player's coach. Um, he's not friends with his players. Now, maybe when they're like veterans, like Tom was, he gets to be more playful. But he like he berates his best players, right? That is not Mike Tomlin. That is not Dan Campbell from the Lions. They're both players' coaches, but they're different coaches because Mike Tomlin is a little quieter, whereas Dan Campbell's like that crazy motivational fight kneecaps guy. But they're both players' coaches, where the players really want to play for them. And he can motivate them, and he does it by kind of just being who he is, which is I think one of the rarest but best types of leaders you can be. I'm a big fan of Mike Tomlin. Of course, John brought the losing Detroit Lions into this. As many winning seasons, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin's <laughs> never had a losing season in that same amount of time that the Lions have not had a winning season. Yes, they have <laughs> had multiple. In fact, we just tied Two. the Steelers. <laughs> we just, 
we just tied the Steelers actually this past season. For oh, in points. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, in what? <laughs> it's definitely yeah. not history. You can be part of this. You don't have to sit completely away from your microphone. I was just yes, kidding. The Lions are bad. <laughs> as, wow. as we all know okay. about sports. Here, here's what I want to here's what I want to talk about. So Ryan Clark is the it was, it was on the podcast with Mike Tomlin. Ryan's on it more often. This was just, uh, Mike was the guest. Mike Tomlin was the guest. And uh for those that don't know, Ryan Clark was the, one of their big they, – they have been a defensive team for years and years and years. They had Big Ben for a long time, and they had a pretty powerful offense. But even when that when the offense was good, they were always, like, hard-nosed, like, blue, that blue-collar Pittsburgh feel. Um, and Ryan Clark was there. You know, they've had Troy Polamalu. They've had you know, Harrison. They've had all these, like, big defensive guys. And Ryan Clark was their defensive leader for, you know, a good four or five years. And they go and play a game in Denver, which is their stadium. Is, you know, my, the, I forget if it's the football stadium or the baseball stadium. One of them is called Mile High Stadium. That's the football. It's football. Okay. Yep. So it's the the elevation so high that like professional athletes struggle when they go play in Denver. Or they go play in Mexico City, anywhere where it's super elevated. Like where we are now is like eleven feet above sea level, yeah. and that's a mile above sea level. It's a, it's a huge deal. So in that game, Ryan falls over and they find out because he's playing there that he has sickle cell and he has to sit out for forever. He gets all this treatment and all this stuff, right? He comes back years later and they're finally, you know, he, he's, he's able to play. The doctors come through all this stuff, right? Years later, he's still on the Steelers. They're going back to play a game in Denver at, at mile high stadium. And, uh, he, but he knows that this is where he, he hadn't played there since he fell over and like almost died. Right. And, so he he's telling he's telling this story he's recounting the story as he's talking to Mike Tomlin on this podcast, and he's saying all the doctors had cleared him to play, um, the trainers had cleared him to play. Everybody said that Ryan could play, and he he walks in with all the doctors to Mike Tomlin's office with a thirty minute prepared speech for these these are all the reasons that I should play. I got goosebumps. Five minutes in, Mike Tomlin stops him, and he says, "You're not playing." And uh, Ryan was like, wait, 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 I want to play. And uh, Mike said, if you were my son, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Like you wouldn't have gotten five minutes in. Right. But he's trying to yeah. you know, be respectful of him as a grown man. Let him say his piece. But he's like, the answer is no. Yeah. The answer is no, because he's like and, and Mike even starts saying like it. For, for, that's, first of all, that's all I needed to say. If you're yeah. my son, we weren't even having this conversation. You're not yeah. playing. Yeah. But then he is like essentially what he said was like, if I don't show that I care for these people that I'm telling you to buy in and care for then I, I lose all credibility, right? I got goosebumps talking about it. it. I cried the first time that I watched it. It's It was just such a phenomenal moment of leadership because his job is to win football games, and he told his best defensive player, you're not playing for his good. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It's what you want. I think it's really hard to do. It's hard because because you're going to get if – he, if he loses three straight seasons, he's getting fired. Yeah. Um. And he, he might be the one guy in the NFL you think is unfireable, but I mean, he three straight seasons. If he loses the next three, he could get fired. He doesn't care. He's 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 a leader of men, and that's what he wants to be, and that's what he wants to do. And he's trying. He knows that these guys they're an injury away from never working again in in what they've done their whole lives, and he knows that their life is still going to go on, and believes in them. And I think that's exactly how he gets players to play for him. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, he's he's unreal. Yeah. What do you think? Uh. Yeah. It's. You can get so wrapped up in your passions in life. Like we all have various passions. Like one of yours is evangelization. Both of you guys, you know, and, and there's little side projects along that. But you can get so tunnel visioned that you forget that even though this thing is a passion of yours, it's not your life, mm -hmm. right? It's a part of your life, an important part of your life, but it's not your life. And to have the clear headedness to see that, like Mike Tallin, this guy, like they love football. Football is definitely one of their passions, maybe their biggest passion in a certain sense. But it's not worth your life. And to be able to see that and step back from that and to let like the pride and the ego go um, because there's genuine care and respect and love in that relationship, um, that that can be a rare quality because we can get so focused on the one thing we've been trying to get good at our entire lives that we hold on to it even entire than we would hold on to our own lives. Yeah. yeah it's the one, one thing I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just one thing character. that is really cool is, oh my gosh, look at us. I knew it was going to happen. You always tell me to be aggressive. One of the things I think is just amazing is that is also what Ryan Clark tried to do. Like the, that is what everyone in that locker room, what Mike did, 
it's going to, it's going to inspire them a ton, but so is what Ryan did trying to, to get back to play at one of the scariest places he's ever played. Yeah. Um, I think that does a whole bunch for that locker room too. So the whole story is just uh, making me hate the Steelers less. Yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> think about it from that angle. I, I didn't. And here's why it's because I was the athlete for so long, but now I completely think like a coach, right? Because I've been coaching and I care about these kids and like, like my care for them goes further than their success right yeah and this is one of the things that we have to gauge with them it's like it is part of my job sure success on the track is cool for all of us right but it one of my primary jobs with them is to teach them how to work hard and how to push through pain Mm -hmm. right but a big part of that is teaching them how to know with the difference between pain and and injury right the difference between pain and like risking future future real injury right and uh so so here here in this and like because like ultimately it's like i've had to do the same thing the doctors are saying some things and like sometimes i've sided with the doctors and there's other times where i've been like we're gonna sit you out another week or it's the state meet and it's like it might be time to (laughs) step up and do it you know so we've we've had to like make those decisions both ways and it did it just it just really hit me just like how much like because like i'm doing it at a local catholic school where like I care about these kids and I'm not, I'm not, not doing it for the money. I promise. Uh, but like Mike, this is a professional scenario, yeah. right? Where professionally it made the most sense for him to play Ryan, especially when the doctors are saying he could wash his hands of it and say, the doctor said he was fine. Yep. Um, but th- the last thing he said was like, you know, I have to go to sleep at night. I have to live with it. He's like, if something would have happened, that's it's on me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I thought it was phenomenal. So speaking of leadership, mm. Speaking of leadership, um, and you mentioned humility and you know the the lack of pride. Um, our last pope showed that in a very tremendous way. Mm-hmm. He uh, said, "My time is my time is done. Except I'm not dead, uh, but I would like to resign from the papacy." That's exactly what he said too. Yeah, word for word. Word As for word. As you can see, it was in Latin. I am not dead. <laughs> it was in Latin, so people don't know that. Taylor translated for us, so thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I do think he may have used the word abdicated. Yeah, he may yeah. have used that word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You may not have, though. We may have just put that. We just may have said that. Mm. Oh, you're okay. So um, a lot of people have speculated, even as recently as like a week or two ago, it became like a real news story, like a CNN, Fox, you know, all, all <laughs> those things, where a lot of people thought the Pope was going to resign. Mm. And it be- anytime it's a real news story, I think it's fake. Yeah. But then <laughs> I started listening, hearing some of the facts about what's going on. Have y'all, have y'all heard anything about like Pope Francis possibly resigning? No. Yeah, just for, yeah, just what you, what you mentioned, yeah, yeah, just news. what you've mentioned, and obviously, like I've heard from news sources that he's sick and and yeah, he's definitely not well. very yeah, yeah, he's yeah, having a he's tough got, time, like, you know, quarter of a lung or something. You but can't like, walk anymore. Yeah, it's tough. There's been all these things kind of building up of like, like I think he said pretty early in his papacy that he doesn't think that he's going to die in his papacy, and uh, so it's it's kind of always been in the back of his mind. He really liked what Pope Benedict did whenever he resigned. Like, so it's been kind of in the back of his mind, in the back of my mind, because we we heard those things. But then recently, I heard that, uh, like, from within church circles, not from, you know, the, the secular news sources or whatever, but that typically um, Rome shuts down for, like, a month or two in, like, July, August, because it's so hot and humid, and I'm just like, it's nothing compared to Texas, and we still work, but whatever, lazy Italians. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, but... Uh, Pope Francis had, has called all of the voting cardinals and they are meeting. This is a real thing. It's on the calendar. It's on the books. They are meeting in late August. These people, these dudes are old, right? They're meeting in late August. This is the first time they've all met together since they elected Pope Francis. Now, there tend to ha- there tend to be times where they like to call all the cardinals together to be together in like brother brotherhood, but because of COVID, they haven't done that, right? So the, literally the last time that they were in the same room together. And a lot of them weren't even Cardinals at the time. Some of them don't even know each other. They've never met because they're from across the world. The the next time that they will meet is in late August in Rome. And there is one place that Pope Francis is scheduled to celebrate mass um, where they're meeting. And it is at the tomb of the last Pope, not Benedict. He's still alive. Yeah. But the last Pope was it 500 something years ago. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Where the last Pope who resigned the papacy before Benedict. He's celebrating mass at his tomb. So either Pope Francis is resigning in August and he's called all the Cardinals together for a conclave, (laughs) a surprise conclave, (laughs) or this is the greatest troll in human history. (laughs) 
Father Anthony, you have to know more. You like what, what, what's the other significance of of that church? You know what? That's the one thing that I <laughs> I do not keep up with church politics stuff. Yeah. Uh, very rarely do I know the inside scoop. It's a whole it's a whole lifestyle. You can get really into it, and just like any other thing, you can get into. But it's just not a thing. I mean, I know the name of my bishop. And that's about it, as far as I know, the hierarchy. You know, um, I know John's now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Um, but really, so I'm not sure. Um, now, part of my brain, when I hear you say that, like it could be, you know, just it's been since COVID, they haven't had a chance to meet together. Yeah. And Pope Francis is getting older, so he wants to give them a chance to meet together because that's going to be important in the future. It could be as simple as that, right? Um, that church might have, or that tomb may have a different kind of significance. It could be whatever. Um, uh, but I mean, it could be him. Saying goodbye. Who knows? I I really don't know. It's not like a thing I can do anything about. So, mm-hmm. I have no thoughts other than that. If it happens, it'll be funny. Like it'll be a little, it, bit, funny. It, no. it'll be a little bit funny if like Megyn Kelly got it right. Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> that John, would be funny. You're wrong, and I thought I knew you well. I thought I proved that earlier. Oh. But I thought you had been around me long enough to understand comedy. It will not be funny if he resigns. Okay, why? It will be a huge story. If he does all of this and leaves all these red crumbs and does not resign after calling all these old dudes from across the world to the hottest time in in August, and they're going to plan like it's for the conclave. They're going to pack for weeks. They're going to cancel their schedules. If he doesn't resign, that's funny. (laughs) I think both can be funny. Okay, John, that's fine for you. I'm just telling you you're wrong. I'm a moral relativist, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's how we're going to end today's show. <laughs> John, thanks for not being here. I wish you were here going on this retreat with us. I really do. It would have been fun. I really do, too. I really would like to do that. Uh, you sold me the second you told me about it. I'll be praying for you guys. We celebrate my mom's birthday. <laughs> I I will. Uh, but but yeah, pr- make sure you just pray for me at least one, one time and during one of those intercessions and not a weird one. From the time that John said he would be here and then canceled (laughs) (laughs) for his mother. (laughs) Well, yeah, very good. All right, Father Anthony, you're stuck with me for the next week. John, you are free. You get to go. Guys, thanks for watching and listening today. I'll be back next week. See ya. See ya. Taylor, I can't believe I fell into your trap. The rat. If you really knew me, I was like, oh, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for watching and listening today. We hope that you enjoyed it. The three of us had an absolute blast together. Our next episode is the final episode where Father Anthony is here with me. Um, We recorded that one after we went on the retreat and just kind of did a recap of um, how much fun we had and kind of the the, the insights that we got in our time of prayer, our time of fellowship, and all those sorts of things. So um, hit subscribe so you get that whenever it hits your feed. And we'll see you soon. Love you.